0: Hi there, I'm Sue Alves from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 139. And today I want to talk about unschoolers and friends. Are unschoolers different? Does this make it more difficult for us to make friends. And if our children have few friends, should we worry about that? What can we do? Also today, there are several other things that I would like to talk about. I think that today's topic will lead me on to NaNoWriMo. And also, I'd like to tell you about my book, Progress. Yes, I have made a decision about my book, my unschooling book. And also I have something exciting to share with you. It's something that happened on Monday. It is actually Friday at the moment. I'm recording this about lunchtime at the end of the week. All my girls are busy writing. It's a beautiful day outside. There's a hint of summer in the air. It is probably the warmest day so far this season, and I'm sitting here inside with the windows closed so that I don't hear any noise, that no background noise gets into my podcast by mistake. Now that I have set the scene, I guess it's time to get on with the topic of the day. I should start talking about being an unschooler and friends, socialization, I suppose. I'm going to do things a little bit differently from what I've been doing recently. Instead of sharing a blog post with you straight away, I'm just going to talk around the topic. But I do have a blog post that I would like to share with you before I leave this topic. It's a blog post that I wrote a couple of years ago. I published it on my blog and then I reverted it to draft. But I shall tell you more about that later. So are we different? Are unschoolers different from most other people? Well, I think that our family is different. The way we think about things and the way that we are living our life is very different from the other people that are around us. And yes, it has been difficult to find like-minded friends, kindred spirit type friends. That doesn't mean to say we don't have any friends, because we know a lot of very friendly people who are most welcoming to our family. That's not the problem. The problem is connecting with people that understand us, that we can talk about the same things together and feel accepted. You know, the kind of friends, the kind of friends that you feel very comfortable with, that you don't have to watch what you're saying, that they seem to understand you, whether you say A lot or not very much at all. You don't have to watch your words. You don't have to worry about putting other people on the defensive because they have chosen a different way of life to you. You don't have to worry about being judged or criticized. We have found that those kinds of friends are very rare and we've really only found that type of friend online. There are three things that make it very difficult for us to find kindred spirit friends. The first one, as I've already spoken about, is that we are unschoolers. We're different. But also we are introverts. And thirdly, we live in a quiet place. We live out of the city. We actually live out of town. We have a few small towns close by, but we actually live in a village. My children used to get a lot of invitations to join in with things that other homeschoolers are doing, but most of the invitations were for events that were happening in such places as Sydney. Now, it takes us rather a long time to get to Sydney. We have to catch at least a couple of trains, and we don't even live near a railway station. And quite often, these events happen in the evening, and it is just almost impossible for my girls to travel up and join in with things that are going on in the city. So yes, we're different, we live in an isolated place, and we're introverts. Sometimes we just don't want to be sociable. My children don't really have any close friends that they see on a day-to-day, week-to-week, or even a month-to-month basis. This doesn't mean they don't communicate with people, but some people tell us that online friends or friends that you communicate with via email aren't real friends. We need to talk to people in real life. And I understand that because, of course, we do have to have real life relationships with people. So every now and then, I have felt guilty about the fact that my children do not have like-minded friends. Perhaps it is because of something that I have done. Perhaps there is something that I can do about the situation. And so periodically, I think about this problem and try and resolve it. Can I find a group of friends for my children? Can I find people that are doing interesting things that they would like to join in with? And so we have tried homeschooling groups. And we have tried homeschooling camps where we go away for a few days at a time and fill up with social experiences. And even though every time we have done this, people have welcomed us in and have been very friendly, as I have already said, we always feel that we don't quite fit in. We used to go to a couple of homeschooling camps every year and we did enjoy them. But there were problems. For example, I'd find my kids playing by themselves, instead of joining in with all the other kids. And I'd wonder, what are they doing wrong? Why aren't they getting involved with whatever the other kids are doing? And I used to tell them, join in, be friendly, make an effort. And my daughter Sophie once said to me, Mom, I have tried all that. The other girls just don't like me. And I tried to tell her that she was mistaken. How do you know that they don't like you? I thought that maybe she was misinterpreting the situation. And she said to me, "Mum, I know they don't like me because they said, we don't like you. Go away. We don't want to play with you. And I thought, how sad that kids would say this to another child. And so I said, why don't they like you, Sophie? And she said, well, I'm not one of the cool kids. How do you become a cool kid, I asked. And she told me that to become one of the cool kids, one of the groups that everybody wants to know, you have to act like a cool kid. You have to stand around in the right clothes, saying the right things, agreeing with the right opinions, Be prepared to link arms with another cool kid and wander around the camp as if you're best friends. Yes, do all the right things. And Sophie said, well, mom, I don't want to do that. That's a waste of time. Why would I want to link arms with another girl and just wander around for the whole afternoon, listening to somebody else and trying to be like everybody else? I want to be me. I don't want to pretend to be someone else just so that they will like me. Anyway, mum, they don't do anything interesting. They don't talk about anything interesting. They're all just too concerned about being liked and being popular, being cool. Yes, all they're interested in is being accepted. I used to worry about being accepted. I used to do things just so that I was part of a group. I wanted the other mothers who I knew to like me, to accept me. I wanted them to do this so that my kids would have friends, that they would be accepted as well. And because I wanted to be accepted, I used to keep very quiet if I disagreed with anything that anybody else said. If they were talking about discipline, the way that we bring up our kids, or the way we educate our children, anything like that. If I disagreed with the opinions that were being discussed, I'd just keep quiet. I wouldn't reveal my true opinion. I didn't want anybody to find out that I was different. At the same time, I didn't agree with anything that anybody else said. Yes, I just kept quiet. But this doesn't mean that I didn't do things So that I was part of the group. I ended up putting other people ahead of my kids. Because there used to be a dress standard, for example, for the group. So I insisted that my kids dress like all the other kids. I didn't want the other mothers criticizing our choices. I made my kids do certain things or not do certain things. So that they would be accepted. They had to be like the other kids, so that we wouldn't be judged, and so that the other mothers would like us, so that we would have friends. I think back, I did all that, and my kids just weren't interested in conforming. I used to worry about it so much, but really, they didn't want to change from who they were. They're still not interested in being different from who they are. And they didn't worry about having no close friends. I guess they were more sensible than me. But despite the fact that my kids don't seem to have any kindred spirit friends, or at least kindred spirit friends in real life, people that they can get together with and discuss their innermost thoughts and be understood, they seem happy. They have each other, they tell me. Their siblings are their best friends. But I still worry at times because aren't kids supposed to grow up with lots of friends? Isn't this part of childhood? I think about my own experiences. I wasn't popular at school. I was different. I lived on the fringes of school life with all the other misfits. Nobody envied me. They probably thought there was something wrong with me. I used to think there was something wrong with me. Why didn't people like me very much? Why wasn't I as liked as the other kids? Why wasn't I a cool kid? Wasn't I an okay person? Well, obviously, not many people did think that. And so I grew up thinking that, yes, there was something wrong with me. I wanted to be like everybody else. School and friends, for me, was a painful experience. I'm not saying I didn't have friends. There were times over the years of my childhood where I did have a good friend every now and then. But on the whole, going to school, especially in my teenage years, was painful. I remember one school in particular. It was a girls' school. And all the girls segregated into different groups. I don't know what the rules were or how they came about, But everybody seemed to belong to a different group. Maybe there were six or eight girls in a group. And each group had their own part of the playground to sit in at lunchtime. Each group had their own benches arranged in a circle or in a square. And it was an unwritten rule that you couldn't move from group to group. You had to find a group that would accept you. I used to belong to a group of six girls. And then one day, four of those girls approached me and the other girl and said that they no longer wanted us to be part of their group. They were splitting off. They would give us a bench if we wanted one, but we would have to find our own part of the playground to sit in. They no longer wanted to be our friends. And to this day, I mean, that was years and years ago. I can still feel the pain of that day. The tears rolling down my cheeks as a teenager to be told that I wasn't wanted. That they didn't like me enough. But what could I do about it? The other girl and I, we took our bench, we found another tree to sit under, and there were just the two of us, which was really lonely if one of us happened to be sick. Now, I tried becoming part of another group I'd wander from group to group talking to people and I'm not saying they didn't want to talk to me but nobody invited me in and said hey you can be part of our group no the school system or at least the system that I grew up in isn't very nice unfortunately some of those attitudes had spilled over into homeschooling groups Just because we're homeschooling doesn't mean that everybody is nice, that everybody cares about us, cares how we're feeling. It doesn't mean that our children will be included. I suppose everybody is frightened of being on the outside. Everybody does things to make sure that they always belong. And if that means shunning the misfits, then they will do that. It takes a very special kind of person to reach out and to not worry about the crowd, to become friends with anybody, to go looking for people who need a friend. I suppose it's very rare also, except in unschooling circles, for kids to feel confident to be who they are and not to care about what other people think about them. Because my kids are comfortable with who they are. Unlike me, they have been able to shrug off any bad experiences that they've had as they've been trying to make friends. They don't think anything's wrong with them. They know they're different and that's okay. They like being who they are and they won't change just so that they are accepted. So that people will like them and they'll be popular and they'll have a string of friends. No, they'll do without friends. The price is just too high. So I admire them for doing that. Just because my children haven't had many close friends, will they be disadvantaged as adults? Are they missing some vital childhood experience? Well, I've been able to make friends as an adult. I've actually found out that I am an okay person. That people do like me. Not all people, because nobody likes all people but I can make friends. I've got a lot to offer, despite what I have been told. Yes, I'm okay. Actually, I rather like being different, just like my kids. Now I'm accepting that. It doesn't worry me any longer that I was never a cool kid, and that I didn't have a huge group of friends surrounding me as I was growing up. So, do my kids know how to make friends? Can they communicate with people? Yes, I think they can. Despite being introverted, they are not shy. They can talk to people of all ages. And maybe that's something that we have to remember. Our kids don't necessarily have to have a big group of peer-age friends. They can be friends with anybody. My kids can talk. They take an interest in other people. Yes, they can be sociable when they want to be or when they see a need to be sociable because sometimes we don't have to just think about ourselves. We have to watch out for other people. As I said earlier, we have to be a friend to somebody that needs a friend and that might mean yeah, going outside our comfort zone sometimes, going and finding out about somebody else, getting them to talk, making them feel accepted and valued as a person. Recently, I've been watching a couple of my daughters, Sophie and Imogen, as they have been working. They're working in a cafe and as you can imagine, that's a job where they need good communication skills. They have to serve the customers. They have to deal with maybe customers who are a bit grumpy. They have to answer complaints. Not that they have many, but they have to be ready to answer complaints. They have to make sure the customers are happy. They have to do a little bit of chatting with them, make them feel comfortable, inquire how they're going. Be friendly. And my kids are doing fine. I sit at the table with my own coffee and I observe. And I'm really proud of what my kids can do. Yes, they are introverts. They haven't grown up with many friends. They are different. But they know how to relate to people, how to give of themselves to people, how to adapt to each and every person that comes along, to meet every person on their own level, find something of interest to talk about, to make people feel good, feel welcome, I guess in the hospitality industry, that's very important because every encounter that they have with another person has to be a positive one. They have to make people feel that they have had a good experience. They want people to go away feeling just that little bit happier. They've added something to somebody else's life. I wrote a blog post about that not so long ago. How it's easy to make a difference in other people's lives. I guess if our kids aren't happy, if they're yearning for more friends to go out and be sociable, then we do have a problem. How do we fix that problem? I'm not really sure. Because we don't have a problem. I have four at-home girls, and they get on really well together. They are each other's best friend. But also, they have me. We're friends as well. But I do know that people do worry about friends. And maybe the answer to our problem is talking about it, encouraging each other, supporting each other, and sharing our experiences. Other people might have some good ideas. So that's all I wanted to say about friends being different And how we worry sometimes about the lack of friendships for our unschooling kids but I do have that blog post that I would like to share with you as well so I'm going to round off this topic by reading that story to you as I said in my introduction this post is in draft form I published it a couple of years ago and then I reverted it to draft why did I do that Well, I guess that I wondered whether I would upset the homeschoolers that I was referring to in the post. I mean, I didn't mention anybody by name. I didn't mention a particular homeschooling group, but I get oversensitive sometimes. I think, what if somebody reads my post and then thinks that I'm pointing the finger at them? Well, they think that I'm saying, hey, you didn't make my kids feel welcome which is not true. The parents have always been very welcoming. But would they feel that I was pointing the finger at their children? Your children upset my children. Perhaps they would think that maybe the problem lies with my own children. But anyway, these situations have their ins and outs, and sometimes it's hard to discuss them without emotions running high. And I didn't really want to point the finger at anybody. No, I have no complaints, really. We're just different. Now, a couple of years down the track, I'm wondering whether I will republish this post. Yes, include it in this week's podcast blog post. What does it matter if other people think that I'm talking about them? I'm probably not. We can't always worry about everybody's reactions to something that we're saying, especially when we're not talking about anybody in particular. Yeah, sometimes I think I'm a bit of a people pleaser. I don't like upsetting people. Do I want everybody to like me still? That's a question that's worth pondering. Anyway, probably none of the people that are in those homeschooling groups read my blog. Even though they're my friends and they know I'm a blogger, we're different. They probably don't hang on every word I'm saying and rush over and read all my blog posts and listen to my podcasts. They're not valuable to them because we're living life differently. We have different ideas and that's really quite okay. I'm not trying to convert everybody to my way of thinking. I'm not saying your way is wrong. My way is bright. We have the freedom to do whatever we like and that's what I'm doing. So, I'm going to read this blog post story. I called it unschooling. What about socialization? We're used to hearing about homeschooling and socialization. But what about unschooling and socialization? So, here goes. It's Saturday afternoon. I'm at home, settled in front of the heater, thinking about socialization. Am I feeling sociable at the moment? No. I'm quite capable of socializing, but I'm happy sitting here alone with my computer. Actually, I often feel like staying home and not seeing people. And my girls feel the same way. I suppose part of this has to do with the fact we're introverts. But some of it is due to the fact we're isolated unschoolers. Now, we've all heard people criticizing homeschoolers for keeping their kids home. But what about socialization? This is rather ridiculous because our kids have more opportunities to get out into the real world to meet all kinds of people than do school kids. I tend to ignore the socialization issue. For us, it's an old debate. But there's another aspect of socialization that does affect us. I've had homeschoolers tell me that I need to provide more opportunities for my girls to meet other children especially those of their own ages. Come along to our homeschool group. You need to make an effort for your kids' sakes. For a long time, I smiled politely and ignored this advice. Then one day, the words, you need to make an effort, took hold of my mind. Perhaps other people were right. So I consulted my daughters. Do you think we should go to a homeschool group? We might make some new friends. Should we give it a go? We decided we would. Everybody at the group was welcoming and friendly. There was just one problem. We were the only unschooling family. The girls didn't like being organised into activities they weren't interested in. That's not the way we do things. Conversations weren't very relevant to us. Kids talked about what year of school they were in and what assignments they had to do. Parents chatted about curricula and planning and how to make kids do their schoolwork. And that was okay, because they needed to talk about such things. But we didn't have anything to say on these topics. One day, after we'd been going to the meetings for nine months or so, we looked at each other and said, Do we really want to go today? Or should we stay home? We stayed home. And that was the end of that. We'd tried going to a homeschool group. We'd given it a fair go. We couldn't see the point of continuing. Other people might criticise us, but we were happy. Why do we worry about socialisation? Are we afraid our kids won't be able to talk to people? Maybe they won't be able to make friends. And they need lots of friends. Or do they? As introverts, I don't think we need crowds of friends. A few kindred spirit ones are enough. To be honest, we haven't found any of these locally. Unschooling has made us different from those around us. But maybe one day we'll meet other people just like us. As Sophie once said in the podcast, do my unschoolers mind being different? I can't be the only weird person in the world. In the meantime... We do connect up with like-minded unschoolers online. Despite the fact my girls are weird, they can talk to people, any people, not just unschoolers. They have good communication skills, and this is something not all kids have. They don't know how to talk properly, observes Sophie, referring to some school kids she knows. They have no idea how to have proper conversations where everyone is included. They talk about themselves all the time. They're not interested in hearing what other people have to say. They don't really want to know about me. And this can be really hard. How do you become part of the conversation when no one is willing to listen? When no one is interested in what you might have to say? When they don't even realize you'd like to be included? Often, my girls give up. As they say... Sometimes it's the people who are always talking who have a problem. Just because someone has no shortage of words doesn't mean she knows how to relate to people. Getting together with other people on a regular basis doesn't necessarily teach us how to communicate and get on with others. That's the conclusion I've come to. So I've stopped worrying about such things as homeschool groups and organized field trips. As long as our kids are capable of being sociable, it really doesn't matter if they choose to stay home. Of course, my girls have each other. We're a crowd on our own. What would I do if I had an only child? I don't know. I've never experienced that. Have you I did say that reading this story would be the end of the topic. But as I was reading, I had a couple of extra thoughts. Firstly, I wrote, unschooling has made us different from those around us. Actually, I don't think that's true. And I might change those words. Unschooling has allowed us to be who we are. We are different because everybody else is conforming. We are unique people. Everybody should be unique. Everybody should be different in some way. And the other thought I had was that I was writing about us, an introverted family. This whole podcast really has been about introverted unschoolers. But what if your kids are extroverts? What if you are an extroverted family? You might not relate to some of the points that I am making. Also, you might be fortunate enough to know lots of unschooling people in real life. You might not have a problem. You and your children might have lots and lots of opportunities to make friends. And you might have lots of kindred spirit type friends. This would be really amazing, I think. So I guess I made this podcast... For people who are in a similar situation to us, just because we're unschoolers doesn't necessarily mean we're not going to have any friends. It doesn't mean that we're going to feel different, because maybe we will be fortunate enough to have like-minded people surrounding us in our everyday lives. I would really love to hear your experiences of being unschoolers and making friends with other people, both people who aren't unschooling, and also other unschoolers. As well, people of our own ages and people of different ages. What kind of friends do we have? What kind of friends do we need? If you would like to discuss that, you can stop by my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, and leave me a comment. Or you could go over to Instagram. I am sure to have a post on Instagram about this topic because usually I do post about my podcasts, ask a question or two, and mostly people stop by and we can start discussing the things that I have spoken about in my podcast. So if you'd like to connect with me on Instagram, my account is called Stories of an Unschooling Family. There's a couple of lower dashes in that title. I will leave a link in the show notes. So what else do I want to tell you in this episode? Well, I said something about NaNoWriMo. And I also said this would lead out of my discussion about friends. So what's the connection between friends and NaNoWriMo? Well, I told you that Sophie and Imogen are making friends at work. I'm not saying they're kindred spirit type friends. But yes, people know them. They talk to people every day. They are having conversations. They're in a situation where they might meet someone weird just like them. But also, they're reaching out to other people. And this is important, I think, sometimes that maybe we won't just stumble over like-minded friends, but we can go looking for them. Maybe not in homeschooling groups, but certainly we can join interest groups. If we have a particular interest, we might find a group and then we can connect up with people who are interested in the same sort of things that we're interested in. And this is what the girls are going to be doing at the weekend. On Sunday, Imogen and Sophie are traveling to Sydney. It's a day event, so they don't have to worry about travelling up there in the dark late at night. They're going to go up very early in the morning, and they are planning to meet up with a group of writers, the Sydney NaNoWriMo group, all people who are writing novels during the month of November. So I wonder if you know what NaNoWriMo is. I have spoken about this a lot of times, so I wonder if I'm getting repetitive. But I never know. You might have tuned into this podcast and not have listened to previous episodes. You might have no idea what NaNoWriMo stands for. NaNoWriMo means National Novel Writing Month. Every November is National Novel Writing Month. There are also two other months of the year, which are NaNoWriMo months. I think they are April and July. These are Camp NaNoWriMo months. The Camp NaNoWriMo months are a little bit more relaxed. The guidelines are a little bit different, but I'm going to tell you about NaNoWriMo, the main event. Everybody that signs up for NaNoWriMo during November is trying to write a novel of 50,000 words or more. They are challenging themselves. My girls have done this a number of times. They have written many novels during NaNoWriMo and Camp NaNoWriMo. I've done NaNoWriMo I think three times and I've done Camp NaNoWriMo once but that's nothing to what my girls have done. I guess blogging has distracted me from NaNoWriMo. I've always got an excuse for why I haven't got the time to do it. But my girls are never put off. They just love challenging themselves. And usually they write far more words than the required 50,000. But this year, this is the very first year that my girls are going to get involved with NaNoWriMo events. Usually they meet up with people online. They belong to lots of NaNoWriMo forums and writers' groups. They chat about writing a lot online. But this is the first time they're going to meet up with real people, see people face-to-face, and write with other people. Everybody that's going to these NaNoWriMo events is going to take some kind of portable device, and everybody is going to sit together and write together. I guess there'll also be lots of time for talking about writing, finding out about each other's novels, ideas, dreams, Finding out about each other. Yeah, just talking about who people are, where they have come from, what they're writing about, anything that's interesting about them. Just have some conversations and make friends. Now, my girls are planning to go to two NaNoWriMo events. The one on Sunday starts in the center of Sydney. And then when everybody has gathered, they're going to walk around Sydney, going from coffee shop to coffee shop. And at each coffee shop, they're going to settle down with their devices and do a bit of writing. I guess they'll get a few words written while they are socializing. And the other event the girls want to go to is the train writing event. Everybody meets up in Sydney, they get on a train and they write while they're going on a trip. They pick a destination and everybody sits there tapping away their keyboards while the train travels to the destination. And it's really funny because the destination that the NaNoWriMo group has chosen for this event is a local town. My girls are going to be traveling on a train and they're going to be traveling towards home. The question is, will they get out when they get to the end? Or will they travel all the way back up to Sydney with the NaNoWriMers and then have to travel all the way back down again later on? Will they do a double trip? Or will they just go up to Sydney and then end their journey at the local town? Well, they haven't quite decided what they're going to do. I guess it depends on whether they're enjoying themselves, whether they can tear themselves away from the new friends I am sure they're going to make. Anyway, they can decide that on the day. So that's how NaNoWriMo links up with friends. I wonder if any of you are doing NaNoWriMo or whether any of your children are. Even though it's the 2nd of November here in Australia, it's not too late to sign up for NaNoWriMo and start writing a novel. When I wrote my NaNoWriMo novels, it only took me about two weeks to get to the 50,000 word mark. So, even if you start a day or two late, it's not going to make much difference. Perhaps you don't have an idea. Well, one year, all I had when I started NaNoWriMo was six girls' names. They were Shakespearean names. That's all I knew about my characters. I had no idea about the plot. I just discovered it. As I was writing and this is a very exciting way to write so you don't have a plot that's not a problem either just go to the NaNoWriMo website make an account and start writing you never know where you'll end up it could be very exciting now last night I was looking through some of my old videos I was looking for something that I could include in my unschooling book and that's what I'm going to be talking about next But anyway, I came across a video that I'd made with Gemma Rose when she was nine years old. She's now 14. And she was talking about novel writing, how she was writing her NaNoWriMo novel. And it was such a lovely video. I know I'm her mother, but her enthusiasm, her excitement, her confidence about novel writing, it is a good example for us all. We can make excuses, we're not writers, or we don't know what to write about, or we haven't got time, whatever, but I think that if a nine-year-old can write a novel, anybody can. So if you need a dose of inspiration, perhaps you would like to go over to YouTube and watch my daughter jimenez's video about NaNoWriMo, about novel writing. Maybe I'll put the link in the show notes. I might even embed it with this blog post, the blog post that will go with this podcast. So, I've talked about NaNoWriMo. What's next? I suppose that might lead onto my unschooling book. This book that I've been writing for years and years... Why is it taking me so long? What's wrong with me? Well, I don't really think there is anything wrong with me, because I think unschooling is one of those things that we never get to the end of. I keep having other ideas I want to explore. The book is growing and growing. And also, I have been writing new articles for my book, but I've been posting them on my blog at the same time, which probably isn't a good idea. But how does a blogger keep a blog going and write a book at the same time and also keep a podcast going and keep making videos and also keep posting on Instagram? I keep giving myself more and more to do and it is hard to get to the end of writing this book. But saying that, I have decided that the only way to do it is to give myself a deadline. The book can't be never-ending. As I said, was it last week or was it the week before, I can always write a second book if I suddenly discover that I've left things out of this one, if I have had additional thoughts, if I come up with some new stories that I want to share. So when's this deadline? The deadline is Christmas. That gives me two more months or just under two more months. By Christmas, I want to be finished. And then over the Christmas holidays, January, as I was telling you last week, is the official school holidays here in Australia. The holidays start towards the end of December. Kids are all back at school by the beginning of February. January is a lazy summer holiday month for most people. And I do know that Imogen and Sophie won't be working during January. Their cafe will be closed for a month. And because Imogen will be at home, she will have more free time than usual. And she has offered to help me format my book. So that's what we'll be doing during January. We'll be getting the book into order, formatting it ready for publication. And by the end of the school holidays, I want to have my book published. So you can hold me to that. If I haven't published my book by the end of January, you can come back to me and say, what's going on Sue? When will this book be published? Actually, I hope that you will get back to me. I hope you are interested in my book. Yes, after all this time, maybe some people have given up on me. But no, I'm going to get the book finished. thing to talk about. And this is the exciting thing that happened last Monday, just five days ago. Now, this exciting adventure started maybe three or four weeks ago. I got an email and the email was from Pam Loricia. You probably know Pam. She has the podcast Exploring Unschooling. And Pam wrote to me asking if I would like to be part of her podcast. Could she interview me? Could we talk about something that would form an episode of her podcast? Now, how did I react? Well, firstly, I felt very honored to be asked by Pam. Yes, I am a big fan of Pam's. Sometimes I feel like a very small voice in the unschooling community. And I look at Pam and she's a big voice. She's doing fantastic work. And so when I saw that I had an email from Pam, Yes, I felt very honored. She thought that maybe I would have something worth saying. And then, leading on from that thought, I got a bit scared. Perhaps I haven't got anything worth saying, or perhaps I have. But what would happen if Pam started interviewing me and my mind went blank? What if she asked me some awkward questions and I didn't know the answers? Would people find out that I'm an unschooling imposter? Well, that was one of my thoughts. The other one was I felt a little bit nervous about the actual process of recording the interview. As I said earlier, we don't live in the city. We don't even live in a town. Our internet connection isn't the best. Our internet speed is rather slow. I thought, what happens if we try to connect up and we can't? What if we're talking and I drop out? perhaps this will be a big problem. Maybe we shouldn't even risk it. But then maybe we wouldn't have a problem. Maybe the real problem was that I was just scared of doing something new. I knew nothing about Zoom. That's what Pam uses when she's interviewing people. She connects up with her guests through Zoom and records what they're talking about. And then later on, she makes, The interview into a podcast I thought what if I can't connect up through zoom what if I can't get my mic to work I mean there were a thousand reasons why I couldn't do this interview with Pam and initially I thought look it would be just easier to say thank you Pam I feel honored but I'm not going to do it it feels too much I would have to step too far outside my comfort zone to do this with you. But I knew that wasn't true. Deep down, I knew that I wanted to talk to Pam. I thought that it would be an adventure, an exciting experience, something that I would enjoy. It would also be a new learning experience for me. Because once I'd done it, I thought, well, if I do it once, maybe I could do it again. Maybe I could even interview people. We always have to be learning new things, gathering new skills, going out there, trying new things. We can't stay still. So I wrote back to Pam and I confessed my nervousness, but I also said I would do it. So on Monday at 8 a.m., which was about dinner time, Pam's time, she lives in Canada. I live in Australia, as you probably know. Well, I sat at my computer. I followed the link that Pam had sent me, and before long, we were chatting away. Yes, I got my mic set up properly, Pam could hear me, the internet connection didn't disappear, it was nice and strong, and we chatted. And my mind didn't go blank. I had a few notes in front of me because Pam very kindly gave me some questions that we could possibly talk about, and I did make some notes but I didn't really have to refer to them too often. I didn't get lost. I had a lot to say. Well, I hope what I had to say made sense. I said afterwards to Pam when we were coming to the end, I hope you can use this interview, and she seemed to think that she can. Pam herself, she was so warm and friendly. It was a real pleasure talking to Pam. I would just like to thank Pam for reaching out to me for giving me the opportunity to share some of my unschooling thoughts, but also to give me the chance to learn something new. As I said, to go outside my comfort zone a little bit, to gain another skill. So now I feel I'm in a different position. I'm not outside my comfort zone any longer. The line has moved ahead of me again. It's really good to do that, to be a good example of learning for our kids. Pam tells me that my interview will be episode 150 of the Exploring Unschooling podcast and it will be published on November the 15th. I am sure that many of my listeners already listen to Pam's podcast. You need no introduction to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. So probably that episode will come up in your feed you will find it very easily. But I will share the link when the episode is published. Now, will I listen to that episode while I sit down and listen to myself talking? I'm not sure about that. Maybe I need to get some feedback from other people first, hear what other people think of what I said. I suppose I'm back where I started, worrying about what other people think of me. Will people like what I said? I don't suppose it really matters, does it? I'm just me sharing my thoughts and my ideas. I do hope that you can connect with those ideas, that you can relate to my words, and that what I talk about is interesting. Well, it is time for lunch here. I can hear my girls out in the kitchen trying to make their lunch without making too much noise so that you can't hear them in the background. I hope you can't hear the microwave going beep beep. So I suppose I should say goodbye and turn my computer off, let my kids make a little bit more noise and go and get my own lunch. So rounding up, you know, my blog is stories of an unschooling family. I will also post about this podcast on Instagram stories of an unschooling family. I hope to be back next week with another episode. And until then, I hope you have a very happy week. So thank you for listening to this episode, episode 139. And until next time, don't forget to trust, respect, and love unconditionally.